Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. What what day is it? It is August 21st, another Monday, and we are back. And over the weekend, Blue Beetle happened. Yes, I did watch Blue Beetle. And I know I said last week that it's really a movie where it just came out of the blue and a lot of people didn't really ask for it. And, you know, what's it going to do with part of the franchise now that the DCEU is dead and the DCU is coming on and yada, yada, yada. I've explained this numerous times, but I have to say I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way much more than I thought it would. Now, I get it. There's going to be the purists and there's going to be the hardcore critics out there. There's going to want to come out of nowhere and say, well, actually, it's not really a great movie or it's actually, a, you know, it's a, a trope that we've seen plenty of times before. And actually, it's a little bit of a combination between Iron Man and Spider-Man. And I, I don't care about any of that. It really depends on how you feel. How do you feel after you watch the movie? Do you feel excited? Do you feel delight? Do you feel, you know, either liberated or the number one important thing? Do you feel entertained? And I literally got a lot of this from watching this movie. Now, what very surprised me, what what very surprised me, what surprised me very well was the fact of how much this movie was going to affect me on a cultural standpoint. Now, I get it. I'm normally not the type of guy to scream diversity and representation and we need all that in our films. I'm not that guy, okay? I actually despise when people do that, believe it or not. Like, like we, like they're shoving it down our faces and we do need it. Just stop preaching that we need it. That's all I'm trying to say. Like, I hate it when people just go overboard with that type of stuff. Let it happen organically. Let, let it, let it just come out of the blue, you know? And, and if the media wants to come out of nowhere and interview us and be like, what does this mean to the modern day era? And uh, does it have a modern edge to it? Oh yeah, drawing references on that Rachel Zegler shit that's been going on lately. (laughs) I'll probably talk about that in a bit, way later down in the episode. But yeah, like when the media members would ask us in terms of, oh, uh, you know, how how do you feel about the cultural Hispanic thing of what blah 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 blah, and it's like, dude, it's a great movie. You're going to like it, Latinos are going to like it, and I hope you watch it. That's it. Like, no need to go overboard in terms of, oh my god, this movie was an essential piece to how we need to be in the world of the 21st century and yada yada. I I don't know. It's In other words, you don't need to go woke for something like this, okay? You don't need to go woke. You don't need to go overboard. You don't need to be, you know, just let it happen. And this movie actually did. Now, the director is Angel Manuel Soto. I know I'm misprint. Well, in Spanish, it's Angel Manuel Soto. And as I said, this movie actually affected me a little bit more than I thought because I'm Hispanic, if you couldn't tell. I'm Dominican descent. 
And it's one of those things where it's like, I know I don't preach for representation and diversity and cultural stuff, but I will appreciate it when it's done correctly. I mean, hell, we've had Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse with Miles Morales and Miguel O'Hara. You know, you got two Spanish Spider-Mans right then and there, even though one of them is half black and the other one is half Irish. And you still appreciate it for what it is. And what I enjoyed a lot about this movie was the fact that it's one of those things where it's full of family and heart and the action set pieces were fantastic. And the fact that they use practical effects, a lot of the majority of the movie is practical effects instead of CGI. It just made everything look a little bit more realistic. I remember, I think it was a, uh, a couple of months ago where I talked about the blue suit. And the fact that it looks very, very real. Like it's actually the main actor actually wearing the suit. And... I appreciate it for what it is. And the actor's name is Zolo Maridueña. And he did a phenomenal job, a phenomenal job as the main actor, you know, Jaime Reyes. And everyone from the supporting character from Susan Sarandon and George Lopez and Bruna Marquezine and, you know, Harvey Guillen and everybody else, they all did a phenomenal job. They really did. What I enjoyed a lot about this movie, again, the practical effects, the action set pieces, the fact that it told a story. It told a story, a great story of what it's like to have so much riding on you, on your shoulders from the, the, okay, let me back up a little bit. Have you ever grew up in an environment where you are the sole provider for your family? You are the sole provider. Your family is not making much money. You're kind of living below the poverty line or way below the poverty line. And you're like the first generation to go out and make it and make it into the world. And you go to school and you get a job and, and you're supposed to do these things. That's what society instills in us. And it's your duty as Hispanics. And it's the thing about Hispanics and Latinos in general, we are very family cultured we're very family centered so everything we do is for our family everything we do has to be a, a, a an extension and a give back to our family that's just who we are and i know a lot of you know minorities are like that but none literally go into any spanish spot whether it's in the bronx or brooklyn if you're in new york or I know there's plenty in San Francisco and Florida, which I believe this movie is taking place in. Go to any Spanish spot and you will see Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Cuba, El Salvador, Argentina. There are so many Spanish-speaking places, not just the countries, but just natural homes where they're all together. And it just feels heartwarming. And it feels given you know what I mean like it, it, it just feels you feel the family support whenever you go into these Spanish places where everyone is singing and dancing and you know there, there's always there's a stereotypical oh my god they're just partying all day eating freaking tortillas and tacos and you know in Mexico they have this and that <laughs> the stereotypes are true 
what I'm trying to say is that you feel all of it. And this movie depict that. It's a love letter. It's a love. It's, it's a giving back to Latinos in general. And I appreciate that. I really do. It made me rethink a lot about, you know, growing up. And the fact that, obviously, as you guys may or may not know, I dated someone that was very family-cultured and very family-centered. And almost every weekend or every other weekend, I would go to her house and we would have a party and it would be like a fiesta and everything. And it, it would be great. Now, getting back to watching the movie, I love the fact that, you know, it's one of those things where... It teaches you a life lesson in terms of what is it that's really important to you. What is it that you value the most? And like I said, this movie is about family. It's about love. It's about, you know, coming together and banding together and always going forward and not letting anything stop you. No matter how hard things, no matter how hard things may be at the end of the day, it's always going to turn out great. You 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 have your purpose and you know what you're doing and it pushes you to get to the other side, to get to that finish line, to do what you have to do. So this movie depicted that greatly. It really did. I love the fact that even though there were a few moments, and we're going to get into the cons in a little bit. Trust me, we're going to get into the guns. But as I said, the acting was phenomenal. I literally pictured myself as the main actor the entire time. Well, not so much because... You know, in the movie, he was like in his early 20s and I'm in my 30s. So I'm a lot more mature than what I've seen. But again, it's a movie that if, even if you're not Latino, you actually should go see it. You should go see it. You should go enjoy it. Enjoy it for what it is. Enjoy it for what it is. I understand it's a movie that we've seen countless times already. And it's the stereotypical, you know, superhero thing. You see, You feel like you've seen it many, many times already. But... This one is special. This one is a little different. And I'm very surprised that it really affected me the way that it did. Now, in terms of the cons, and again, I'm not going to try to go into spoiler territory. So there's going to be some, probably some mild spoilers a little bit. Just a little bit. It's funny to me that George Lopez's character, Uncle Rudy, somehow knows how to operate certain machines and know how they work. That was a little bit. It's it's a little bit too unbelievable. That you kind of just accept it for what it is. But you do have to question it. Where you're like. Really? He knows how to do that? If you watch the movie. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. There were a thing with a couple of the side characters. Especially from the family. Where you know. There was one character in question. In terms of. She asked her, oh my god, how do you do that? Or how did you know how to do that? And of course the character goes, oh, I'll tell you about it later. Uh, yo, yo puedo decir oh, or, uh, ahorita, ahorita. <laughs> and it never comes back again. And you're like, are we going to come back for it for a potential sequel? Like, how do you know how to operate those things? Like, you just pick that up and all of a sudden you're on the fly. Again, it was a little bit too unbelievable that you kind of just have to accept it for what it is also i know about this in the comics and a lot of people don't really know about blue beetle in the comics in the comics the beetle itself is a world destroying weapon all it cares about is causing destruction all it cares about is murder and chaos that's all it cares about it has a mind of its own very similar 
in a way to Venom and Eddie Brock. Okay, so just hear me out on this. So in the movie, there was a brief moment during one of the action sequences where the beetle almost goes too far. And Jaime, being the moral person, our hero, our protagonist, basically stops it, saying, you know, we're we're not killers, we're not this, we're not that, you know? But then towards the end, the Beatle just kind of accepts it. And what I'm trying to say is, there's no duality. There's no friction. There's no tension between the two. There was plenty of tension and there was a lot a lot of um you know like a yin and yang dynamic between Eddie Brock and Venom in the Venom movies and I kind of wanted to see a little bit of that maybe explored more in this movie. You know, it's one of those things where in the comics and in the animated movies and in the animated shows like oh my god, what's the top of what's what's the movie no, no, not the movie. What's the show off the top of my head? Young Justice. There was Young Justice, and it depicted very well that, hey, Jaime needs to keep this thing in control, or else it will control him. You know, it, it wants to kill, it wants to cause destruction, it, it just wants to, it, 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 not, it doesn't have a thirst for blood, it, it's just programmed, it's just what it is. And in the movie... We don't explore that as much, and I feel like that was a key point in the Bleedle, in, in the Bleedle, in the Beatles' code, so to speak, and we didn't get enough of that. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that I wanted a little bit more of a duality between those two, a little bit more friction, a little bit more tension, a little bit more of a disagreement between Jaime and the Beatle. And yet towards the end, they just became one and they saved the day. Okay, cool. Again, mild spoilers. You know, save the day sort of maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know. What I'm trying to say is there should have been something that was there and maybe could have maybe been taught a life lesson in the we do not kill, so to speak. Like we don't, this is not who we are. This is not how we were raised I, I feel like there was something missing there, and yeah, I just wanted that explored a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. Also, there was a moment in the movie where one of the characters that's operating this machine, and they're just killing people left and right, and we're just taking it as a comedic thing. Where Basically, what I'm trying to say is, and I know I'm spitballing here a little bit, the movie's tone is a little bit inconsistent. We're either this way or we're not. We either hold these values up to the highest extent or we don't. And it kind of flip-flops it around for comedic effect. And I guess I'm nitpicking a little bit more into this, and I guess that's just what I do. But I wanted... You have to have a line. Just, just have a line. You either cross this line or you don't cross this line. So that's kind of a nitpicky thing that I had. When you see the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I It's so hard for me to explain something when, you know, <laughs> I don't give into exact details. But, again, nevertheless, I enjoyed the movie. I did. Is it a great movie? You know, no. But it's enjoyable. Is it going to flop? Maybe. Maybe you're not the target audience. 
Maybe people are just so tired of the superhero trope that's been going on. Maybe they don't they're not confident on the fact that this is the start, the beginning of a new franchise that will be that's basically remade and will be going on going forward. Maybe people just don't care. Maybe people think that this is a hunk of crap and they just don't feel like seeing it. Whatever the reason is, put aside all of that. Put aside the, you know, the the harsh core critics and put aside all of that stuff. Put aside the fact that this is focused on a Latino family. Put aside all of that. Go watch it. Go enjoy it. It's a popcorn movie. You'll have fun with it. And if not, and if you want to wait for it to come out on Max, which it probably will either next month or in a month after, you can do that too. Whatever suits your boat, whatever floats your boat, whatever suits your needs, whatever tickles your feather. I guess people say that nowadays. <laughs> oh, man. But that's really all about it in terms of the movie. I gave it an 8 out of 10 on Twitter. And, you know, rethinking about it more and more, I will probably drop down to a 7.5. You know, like a, like a 7-ish because of all the nitpicky stuff that I said. But I still enjoy it regardless. And you should, too. You should too. I want to mention this before I leave, and I know this is not comic book heavy. This has nothing to do with comics, but this is under the realm of Disney. And I know I briefly spoke about it in the beginning of this episode, but I kind of want to leave off in saying this. Rachel Zegler, the woke activist that is spewing about Snow White. I debated often if I should even talk about this, if it's even worth talking about. And I will say this. There's a part of me that wants to just bash her completely in terms of just saying so much negative stuff and and, and saying she's an idiot, she's a moron, she's, you know, I, I don't, it's so easy for me to say that, but I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is this. Rachel. If for any reason you're listening to this, I understand that you are a product of your time. I understand you're in your early 20s. And maybe this is just me trying to find a way to justify what the hell it is that you're doing. Rachel, you're destroying your career slowly and you don't even realize it. You're literally alienating your own customers, your own audience from not only the potential movie coming out, which will be a disaster and it will be a flop and it will be a failure. Let's be honest here. It will be a failure. You're literally turning the people against you and you're hurting your career because of it. If you have not learned from what happened with Brie Larson and the whole, oh, this movie is not made for white people sort of thing. Whoever your PR team is or whoever it is that is giving you these key points, because I do not believe you're saying all of this on your own. I do not believe for a second, or maybe you are. Maybe this is how you're brought up. Whatever the reason is, have some humility for God's sake. I understand that Rachel Zegler actually came out and was crying wolf because people are sending her death threats And people are basically just bashing her for everything that she's saying. And, you know, she's like, oh, you know, whatever I'm saying is taken out of context. And I'm like, just stop. Just stop. 
we're at an age right now where anything, even I, what I'm saying now, I could get canceled at any time. Luckily, I don't have an important platform enough or don't think highly of myself, nor am I in the celebrity status for me to, you know, to even get canceled. What I'm trying to say in, in an essence, and I'm going to put it to bed on this. When celebrities speak, certain celebrities, not all of them, when certain celebrities speak about what they think that they know about the real world and what they think in terms of what whatever it is for the good of humanity or whatever the case may be, it makes them sound ignorant, dumb, stupid, and kind of pathetic if you ask me. Ricky Gervais actually said this best, that these people know nothing about the real world. They all grew up, they worked hard to get to where they are, blah, blah, blah. But they know no- They don't have a formal education. A lot of them don't. They know nothing in terms of how the real world is like. They don't understand people. You have to understand people. You have to understand your audience. You have to understand that, yeah, whatever you say can turn against you. I'm no exception. And neither are you. Neither are you. I honestly don't know why I'm even talking about it, but more the, the more feed and on the YouTube and, and the algorithms of what I'm getting about Rachel Zegler is be it's fascinating in terms of how she's not understanding that this could bite her back in the ass so badly. And now and now Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, I'm sure he's looking at he's not stupid. I do not believe for a fact that he's an idiotic moron. I'm sure he's looking at this and go, you either stop right now or we will fire you, we'll pay you whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that you're owed, and we will get someone else for Snow White. This is not okay. This is not okay. It bothers me so much that we are even just... That, that we're doing the same thing over and over and over with Woke Disney, it bothers me that we're even having a conversation about this. On the fact that you're, you're bitching about a movie, an animated film that is classless, classless, that is classless, that, it's gonna, that existed way before your time, and it will continue to exist way after your time. You can't erase history. You can't. You can't erase what that movie has given up, has given to so many young girls before you were even preconceived and existed. My God, how did we even come to this? I don't understand how certain people can just take what what they don't like about a movie from 85 years ago and then all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, the prince was actually a stalker. Oh, really? Really? Prince Charming that ended up saving her life? The huntsman that was sent by the queen who was jealous of her appearance, that was jealous of her beauty, ended up saving her life. The seven dwarves. Dwarves, that's what they are. Dwarves. The seven dwarves that, you know, whistled while they work and, and you know, that they're a family. It's about teamwork and hard work and ethic. Ended up saving your life. But no, it's about female empowerment. It's about this woman have to not having true love. It's about this woman that needs to have it. 
Rachel, I really hope, and I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart, I hope someone comes to you and actually sits you down and gives you a formal education. Like, I really hope someone, uh, not a yes man, not a PR person, someone that has nothing to gain from any of this to actually sit you down and humble you. Like, truly, truly humble you. Not the bullshit crying wolf video that you just did. No, I hope that someone truly humbles you in telling you this is not okay. It may not be me. It may not be the to the fantastic audience that's listening to this. It may not even be maybe your family members that is probably exploiting you for money. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes. But I hope someone that truly cares about you talks to you like a human being and tells you, what you're doing is wrong. It's wrong. And these are the reasons. These are the reasons. That's all I got to say about that. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in once again every week. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Tune in next Monday where we will talk more about anything that goes on in the world of comic book movies, games, shows, television, or whatever the case may be. Always remember... If you hear about it and you read about it, I then talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time. I'm done. I'm through. Peace.